Good evening, ghouls and ghoulettes, and welcome to Killer Horror Critic, the podcast worth dying for. Hosted by the Killer Horror Critic himself, this is the show where guests from all over the horror spectrum join to talk about some of their favorite horror films. So get snugged under the covers, grab a cuddly puppy, and prepare for tonight's blood-curdling episode of Killer Horror Critic. Good evening, horror fans, and welcome to another episode of Killer Horror Critic. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Chris. And we are your killer couple critiquing and arguing over horror films, like a couple of weirdos at the bar. So maybe we never quite enlighten you, maybe we never quite blow your minds, maybe we never act like sirens luring you in to knowledge or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> But hopefully you just have a good time listening. So tonight we are wrapping up our month-long coverage of horror musicals with the 2015 film The Lure, which I don't actually quite remember when this released here in the States. I think maybe 2017 or so, Uh, but it was released 2015 in Poland. Uh, It was directed by... Look, tonight's going to be a whole long <laughs> night of us getting names horribly wrong. So. We're going to do our best. Uh, but it was directed, because the Polish film, it was directed by Agnieszka uh, Smoczniska. <laughs> That's the best right. I can do. <laughs> uh, and this is her feature debut. Uh, it was written by Robert Bolesto, probably the only easy name I'm going to mention tonight. Uh, and is based on the Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale, The Little Mermaid. And it stars Marta Mazurik as Silver, uh, who grew up actually wanting to be a mermaid. So Damn straight. <laughs> uh, so this was kind of a perfect opportunity for her. Mikhailina Olsanska as Golden, uh, who actually, I thought it was kind of funny, forced her way into audition for this film because technically she was considered too old for the role. Uh, because they were looking for the mermaids to kind of be around the age of like, you know, I, they, they play 16 or they're 16 or whatever or supposed to be mm-hmm. in the film. And she was about 20 at the time. Uh, so she wasn't quite up for contention, but she actually forced her way into the role because she was like, I have to meet this woman who's making a mermaid movie. <laughs> I love that. And that's very appropriate for Golden. <laughs> very much so. Yeah, no, it fits her character perfectly. So, you know, Olzenska definitely, I think, represents who she was yep. very well. And let's see, it also stars Jakub Girsal as Mietek, uh, who actually appears in the film Dracula Untold. <laughs> you know, the, the 2000s <laughs> classic. <laughs> And uh, Kinga Priest as Chrysia, uh, who I thought was kind of interesting, uh, has won the most uh, Eagles Awards, which is basically a Polish uh, film award. Okay. She's won three for Best Supporting Actress and I think six in total. Shit, damn, uh, so woman. I thought, yeah, so I thought that was kind of cool. And basically, for those who haven't seen The Lure, it's essentially a horror musical about... Two mermaids who find themselves coming onto land in kind of like early 80s Poland and they meet up with this band that plays at a strip club and they kind of become, you know, like backup singers and uh, 
one of them starts to fall in love with the guitarist. And, <laughs> and it, it basically kind of sort of plays out like, you know, the Little Mermaids. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a classic, like, Little Mermaid adaptation. And, like, this movie is the whole reason why I wanted to do horror musicals. So I'm so excited to talk about this. Yeah, you, you are quite a fan of this film, as am I. I like <laughs> this one as well. Uh, maybe not quite as much as you do, but... <laughs> So we are going to be spoiling this film, so if you have not seen it, please go check it out. It should be streaming on HBO Max at the time of this recording. Uh, if you don't have that, though, I, I would say that this film is worth renting if you are into horror musicals. <laughs> and don't mind uh, subtitles. And don't mind subtitles, which, you know, come on. <laughs> You're missing so many good films if you don't like subtitles. But to each their own, I guess. Before we get into spoiler territory, though, we do have our usual brief little bit of spoiler-free content here, so... As usual, the tagline versus the movie, kind of what we think of the tagline in the film overall. So the tagline for the lure was, their element is night. <laughs> so, <laughs> what? So, what? <laughs> look, that's just the tagline I found on IMDb. I haven't seen that on any posters, but what do you, what do you think of that tagline and what do you think of the lure overall? <laughs> what the fuck is that referencing? Do you think it's referencing their nightclub singing? I don't know. I mean, I mean, you know, to be They're not vampires. Well, to be fair to that tagline, I mean, their element in the movie kind of is the night. I mean, it's Look, it's when they show up, it's when they do most of their killing, you know, it's when, they're, it's when they're singing at the club because it's a nightclub, so I mean... It's not totally out of the realm of what the movie is, but... <laughs> I mean, I guess. I guess it, like, kind of fits, but not really. I don't like it as the tagline. Uh, whatever. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> what do you think of the movie? <laughs> I mean, obviously, I love this film. Look, any retold fairy tale always has, like, a, a soft spot in my heart. I especially like ones that do the darker story, because all those fairy tales, all those stories, Han Christian Andersen, the Brothers Grimm, all that stuff is fucking dark, and yeah, it's no, depressing. Li yeah, no, li literally none of that stuff that disney adapted is like happy yeah you know? no. uh which, which is why there are elements in a lot of those cartoons that we grew up with that are really fucking dark yes you know because they're adapted from extremely dark stories yes so. and i think this one does a really great job of not only adapting it but bringing it into a more modern time setting and look this movie is just gorgeous the music's great and you want to just dance to it you can totally understand why there's sirens in this movie because the music's so much fun and the costuming is cool like I don't know, I just love everything about this movie. I think it's great. I, I, I wonder what I'm else. I'm like and I love the lure. <laughs> yes, um, that is me. Yeah, no, it, I mean you're right. Like, it, look, uh, the music's great. The cast is great. Uh, they they really did a great job casting this, and you know they damn well better have because it's my understanding that casting actually took over a year and a half. Oh shit. Uh, they, they went through about 2000 girls to, <laughs> All right. uh, to, to find their lead performers. And, you know, they ended up casting, uh, Marta first. And then once she was cast, cause she's kind of like, you know, the crux of the film, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then once she was cast, they wanted to cast golden based off of, you know, someone that would interact well with her. So then that's yeah. where Miglina came in, but no, yeah, you know, this film has uh, a little bit interesting of a history in the sense that it, it actually wasn't originally based or actually wasn't originally about mermaids. It was actually, so there, this isn't a spoiler, but there's a, uh, there's the one scene 
uh, towards the end of the film where there's uh, a song being sung on stage on a boat. I'm trying my best to not spoil anything <laughs> here. Uh, there's a song being sung on stage by a boat uh, by a couple of singers, and those are the composers for the film. Mm-hmm. And the script was actually originally based on, or, or is based on them, because they were a couple of singers who actually sort of grew up around the nightclub scene in Poland. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I don't remember exactly like what kind of was the inspiration for the writers and filmmakers for why they wanted to do this story. Uh, but they just found it interesting. They wanted to do a story on these two singers. And so it kind of started off like that. And it, initially, the the composers were not interested in the film. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, I think they were a little off-put by the fact that it would be about them for some reason. Uh, but then it, the writer ended up coming back and being like, okay, it's going to be about mermaids now, you know? <laughs> and, and it was at that point that they kind of became a lot more interested, you know, because it's like, mm-hmm. okay, we're going to do this this basis off of the Hans Christian Andersen story, you know, so that that's more interesting than just a story about us. <laughs> yeah, I think that's awesome. Yeah, no, for sure. It is cool. And, and the director herself, you know, she also kind of grew up around this scene. Uh, as far as I understand it, she, you know, her parents uh, worked in a nightclub or something like that. And so she actually spent a lot of time there between the ages of one and 12. And, and the place where this is shot, the Adria, I think it's called, uh, was actually a big, uh, of big importance in Poland around that time period, uh, through the eighties and nineties. Mm-hmm. And, and by the time that they got around to shooting, it was pretty much abandoned, but it had all this leftover furniture and stuff that they were able to use. So, awesome. so there's a lot of history in the film. That's pretty cool. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not big on like nightclub history knowledge, <laughs> <laughs> but from what I understand, there's a lot of that playing into this and you see it come through in the movie, which I think is really cool Yeah, is that you definitely get the vibe that the filmmakers, understood a lot about what it's like to grow up in that scene, mm-hmm. which is pretty much what the film is about is, you know, kind of young girls kind of experiencing what that life is like, both the glamour and kind of the horror of it. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. I didn't know that it was based off of, you know, some, some lived experiences and that I totally get that because yeah, there's a certain groundedness to all the nightclub stuff you know, there's a certain reality to that that really does come from people who lived it and have, you know, a complicated relationship with that scene. And I think that adds, like, such a great level to this movie. Yeah, well, it's interesting, too. And we'll talk more about this as we get into the spoilers. But uh, it is kind of interesting when you look at it from that point of view, you know, if you have seen this film, because a lot of the nightclub stuff itself is shot with a lot of, you know, there's a lot of glamour to it, a lot of magic, despite the fact that underneath the surface of all of that is a lot of, you know, seediness <laughs> and and just kind of like horrible people, you know? Yeah. And and so it's really interesting when you consider it because, you know, in in a in the documentary kind of about the making of the film, uh, the filmmakers do sort of talk about how in making this or or even looking back on that time period, because a lot of people pointed out to them, you know, the the early 80s, you know, communist Poland or whatever was not like a, a glamorous time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they acknowledge that. But it's sort of like, you know, it's sort of like the way that we look back on our childhood. Like we look at it with blinders on, right? Yeah, with nostalgia. Where, yeah, where we look at it with nostalgia and kind of, you know, uh, 
sort of like that glamour of the things around us, you know, like, like I personally, I look back and I'm like, ah, you know, Nickelodeon and like, (laughs) you know, are you afraid of the dark and, and, and goofy colors and bad clothing, you know, and like, Mm -hmm. and, and in that sense, the nineties is very like appealing to me. But I mean, if you really like as an adult dissect the nineties, like it's still a shitty time period, but but that's kind of what this movie is. You know, it's them looking back at sort of kind of like the the positive view they had on it as a child while also kind of you know dissecting sort of the the awful side of it yes <laughs> uh so with that being said we are going to move into spoilers now so again if you have not seen the film please go check it out uh should be streaming on hbo max at the time of this recording otherwise we are going to ruin just about everything we can with this movie for you so, <laughs> uh, so again please check it out if you can uh all right, so let's let's just start off with the basic fact that this is based off of the Little Mermaid and, mm-hmm. and Hans Christian Andersen's story. As a Little Mermaid adaptation, just just how do you see this film? Like what like what do you what do you think when you watch this, thinking of it as a Little Mermaid adaptation? <laughs> uh, so if we're if we're actually looking at it as like an adaptation adaptation, I think that it, it only really hits the main the main plot line, which is, you know, Mermaid comes to the human world, falls in love with somebody that she shouldn't, and has to make a decision about kill him and save my life or mm. let him live and turn into sea foam. Indeed. Yeah. So. <laughs> Difficult decision. <laughs> live or or turn to sea foam. I don't know. Which oh, one do I choose? <laughs> I mean, apparently, it's a very difficult decision for these mermaids. Yeah, and I, I can't wait to talk about that, but no. go on. <laughs> I am. So, you know, if we're looking at, like, an actual adaptation, eh, not so... It hits the basic points. But, like, looking at it as a modern adaptation, and especially with the information that you just gave me about the fact that this isn't just a Little Mermaid story, but it's also a story about women who grew up in the nightclub scene, I think it's fantastic. Like, I think that it does a really good job of pulling the Little Mermaid and bringing it into a more modern sensibility. Because if we look at the actual, like, Han Christian Anderson thing, you know, she's got all of these sisters that go up for, like, a day, and she saves the prince. It's this whole thing. She's all bummed out because he doesn't remember her. Like, sure, yeah, sure. that's her whole shit. I like this adaptation a lot more because I think with our opening scene, you know, it presents the real question of Little Mermaid and, you know, the question of sirens of... You know, we've got these mermaids who are luring people in, you know, with their songs and their music, but they're not the ones who open this movie with music, right? You know, okay. it's it's actually um, Maytek, our fucking asshole prince. I fucking hate him. I'm going to kick him in the goddamn balls. He sucks. He He's, deserves to have his dick bitten off. Yes, he does. <laughs> he did not deserve silver, and I will stab him. Yep. But, you know, our movie opens on him singing and silver being lured to the surface. And I think that's, you know, a crux of Little Mermaid that we have a tendency to, like, forget and ignore is the fact that she's the one who's getting lured to the service. And I like the fact that that's what we get with this movie. It's the question, who's well, really the siren? Okay, so, so yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I mean, first of all, yeah, I, I think it's a great adaptation because, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know why you were like, oh, it's not as accurate to the original. It's like, well, that's why I think it's a great adaptation because to me, adaptations aren't supposed to be, you just do exactly what the original does. You know, mm-hmm. it's, supposed, it's supposed to be, different sort of takes and different looks at it and 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 that's why i like this film a lot and you know even 
like even just looking past the adaptation part, I I I like the way that they approach it as a musical because I don't think that the film was originally intended to sort of be a musical. It kind of evolved into that, I think, because you know you you do have these characters where yeah, their whole basis is they're sirens, and so they're gonna mm-hmm. sing, you know, and then that just kind of became like a part of the movie. And I, I think what's interesting about you know this is they sort of approach the the music a little differently, I think maybe than your average musical in the sense that, you know, when you look at the songs, they're, they're all kind of, of a different variety, so to speak. Yeah. In the sense that like you have, you know, you have, you have songs that are sort of presented like, like movie songs, you know, like when they're sitting in a club, that's kind of like if you were to drop into a scene in a film where there's singing going on in a club. Mm-hmm. And then you have others that are sort of like music video ish, right. <laughs> As they describe in scenes like, you know, when we have all of our characters like, you know, burnt out and drugged up, you know. <laughs> uh, and then they also have kind of like your more your more traditional sort of music where people like break out and sing and there's like big dance numbers and stuff, you know. <laughs> so so I thought it was really interesting kind of how they approach this as a musical, but as an adaptation, I mean look, I will just say this. To me, this is the best Little Mermaid film there is you know mm-hmm. i th- i think the disney film can go s- fuck a duck or suck it you know like <laughs> like it just <laughs> agreed I've, I've always i've always hated the the little mermaid in a sense because like look i i think i think growing up I, it's a good film you know in the sense like a lot of people grow up loving that movie and i understand why you know i I, like I, 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 I'm sure there was a part of me that wanted to be a mermaid growing up, you know, because of that film. And <laughs> who doesn't? And, and, and who doesn't love the song "Under the Sea"? You know, like there, there's a lot of good in the Little Mermaid. Uh, but the thing that always drove me so insane in the Little Mermaid is just, you know, like Ariel herself and just kind of the the whole message that that movie is sort of like sending, you know, to kids at the time, mm-hmm. where it's like, hey, fuck your personality and who you are and your talents. Give it all up for a shitty man. You know? <laughs> for some dude you just met because he's pretty. Right, exactly. And, and we do have, like, you know, Silver does kind of follow that same sort of trajectory because, again, this is based on The Little Mermaid. Uh, but but this has sort of a different, you know, kind of message in the end where, like, we're not supposed to look at that positively. Whereas in the original Little Mermaid, you know, like, we're you're rooting for Ariel of, like, yeah, give up your voice and your mermaid powers for this dude, you know, true I, love. Like, he does have a cute dog. She did it for the dog. I mean, that's great. That dog's going to be dead in like five years, you know, and, th- and then what's she going to have? Like, you know, this, this shitty dude and no mermaid tales. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like this movie does a really good job with the whole Little Mermaid mythos of touching on that factor of if you cut yourself up, if you cut pieces of yourself apart and trim your personality to fit what you think somebody else wants of you, you know, it's never going to turn out well. Because if you do that, then that person that you're with doesn't actually love you for you. And it just has no possibility of working out ever. And granted, that dude still deserves to get stabbed in the dick. But like, it is, you know, it is the unfortunate downfall of Little Mermaid that it's nice to love and want to be, it's nice to love and want to be loved, but not to that extent where you fucking cut off your awesome fish tail. You have an awesome fish tail. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the scene in this where, you know, where, uh, where, where Silver does cut, you know, I'm going to be honest, it drives me nuts that she is the one 
called silver and the <laughs> other is golden because for God's sakes, her hair is red and it looks golden to me and it keeps, I, it's so hard to get it right. It's because your fishtail is silver. I understand, but it's so hard to get it right. But anyway, you know, yeah, that scene kills me where she has her like tail cut off and then, you know, she loses her voice in the middle of singing. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's so tragic. And that, yeah. and that, and that's what, that's what I really love about the lure is it's not shying away from the tragedy of that. Mm-hmm. Instead, it kind of embraces it and is like, no, don't give yourself <laughs> up like this for, for some fucking dude you just met. You know, I mean, yeah. cause, cause literally, you know, the whole, the little mermaid is like, she's literally giving up everything mm-hmm. that is good about her for like a pair of legs and some dude right and it's why you know and it's so interesting with this and kind of uh how they sort of embrace that idea even further because you know you have moments where where unlike in the little mermaid i mean i don't know maybe the dude in the little mermaid it's been so long since i've seen the little mermaid (laughs) maybe the dude in the little mermaid wouldn't have minded her mermaid tail i don't i don't really remember what the (laughs) what the deal is there or if he's like no fuck you get a get human legs bitch um but but in this case you know you have mietek who 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 is pretty much straight up just like you know, I kind of like you, but uh, fuck your tail, you know? Like he, he, he says that he'll never see her as anything other than an animal. Right, he calls like, her a fish. Fuck? And, yeah. I mean, and, and look, I mean, to be fair, yeah, she, she she's is, a fish. She's she a, kind of a fish. She's yeah. a fish, but... She's an um, awesome, sexy fish. <laughs> she is an awesome, sexy fish. And, and you know, and so, like, there, there's that moment where, where, you know, she's in the bathtub, and he's kind of, like, off-put by her a little bit, and she's like, you know, you want me to be a girl, and... And I think, you know, I think there's a lot of different ways to look at that. Like, for me, I kind of look at it as, you know, in this case, a girl, meaning more so woman, mm-hmm. you know, like, it's not, it's not about just having a pussy, but like, being, I, I only say that because there is the receptionist in the film That's, who's like, you want to get a pussy girl? Yeah. You know? It's thrown around a couple of times. A, a few times, yeah. You know, so it's, it's not just about getting a pussy, it's about... <laughs> I just love saying the word. It's not about just getting a pussy. It's about having, it's about actually like being a, a, a quote unquote woman, you know, and being mm-hmm. mature and all, you know, whatever, whatever the hell Mia Tech is, is going for here. And, and I think that's interesting how that kind of takes that a step further, you know, because mm-hmm. that's something that Little Mermaid doesn't exactly indulge. You know, it's a kid's movie. It doesn't yeah. exactly get in the whole idea of like, oh, the prince just wants a pussy to fuck, right? <laughs> like it's, <laughs> you know, and, and that's kind of the case here is it's about, this is a this is much more so a coming of age story mm-hmm. and about how you know about how silver is kind of going through this thing where it's like she she is discovering sexuality and love uh but in that you know she's kind of being forced into being someone she's not because of the love yeah <laughs> so so I think like as an adaptation uh, I really enjoy the lore as an adaptation mm-hmm. I do think it is the best little mermaid adaptation there is and and i love how the film kind of starts off with all this sort of classic uh sort of folkloric you know drawings and stuff like that uh to kind of establish what mermaids really are you know like the little mermaid taught a lot of us as kids of like oh mermaids are like beautiful people with fishtails and Mm -hmm. i mean the whole thing is is no in in greek myth you know mermaids and sirens were always basically monsters yeah (laughs) mermaids have always eaten human flesh that's always been a part of their thing i think it is important remember as we're talking about sirens that those are technically bird women they are they're bird women (laughs) 
Whatever, they're mermaids in my mind. Yeah, it's totally fair. <laughs> they, they can get, be both. They get depicted as that a lot. But yeah, mermaids have always been flesh eaters, man killers. And I like the fact that we're returning to that, especially with their fucking mouths, with those yeah. giant teeth. Yeah, it's just it's just such a better a better way to approach it than yes. you know, I, I love I, I would much rather see man killing than than a woman giving up all of her personality for a man. Like yep. who the hell wants to watch that? But you know, and so th- this ties into the sisters' relationship too, because I, I think that you know, that's another really interesting part of the movie that I'm not, you know, that I that I don't really remember a lot of from The Little Mermaid. And so, but but that definitely, I think, plays better here, regardless of what I remember. <laughs> uh, because, because I like that Silver and Golden are sort of like this kind of yin and yang pair, mm-hmm. you know, where where Golden is this character who, or, or where Silver is this character who is you know, kind of discovering love and sort of falling into kind of that side of it. And and meanwhile, you know, Golden is sort of the more kind of like growing up and discovering her sexuality side where Mm -hmm. she's more embracing that side of it. You know, she's not, she's not tied down to, to anyone, so to speak. Right. She, yeah. She's going around and fucking and like, and, and you know, and letting trying police all, women lick her fin, let, letting police women lick her fin, which, you know, as Chris points out, every time we watch it, that cannot be comfortable for your tongue. Yo, that woman cut her tongue the fuck up. I mean, look, you ever hold a fish in your hand and have its, you know, have its uh, fin or whatever, like expand like that shit hurts. You yep. know, so, so I can't really imagine licking the tail. But um, but regardless, you know, Golden is that side of it. She's that sexual side where she's like really kind of indulging that part of it. And so I kind of like looking the looking at the sisters as not necessarily being two separate people, but kind of being like two sides of the same mind. Yeah. You know, I, I sort of look at them as two sides of the same mind in growing up and and you know experiencing that kind of coming of age sort of story where it's like you know because i feel like we all kind of or most of us kind of go through part of that where it's like you know on one hand growing up and discovering your sexuality you you know you do start to encounter things like love or what or what you think is love when you're a teenager (laughs) Uh, you do you do start to encounter those things but you also encounter the kind of you know maybe wild isn't the way to describe it, but like the, the sort of, the sort of wilder side of it as Mm -hmm. in like, you know, you are kind of like experimenting and (laughs) and trying all these different things as, as golden is, you know, I mean, she's, she's fucking police women. (laughs) She's, she's eating the hearts of men, you know, (laughs) like she's, she's getting out there and she's all over the place. (laughs) She's all over the place. (laughs) Yeah. I, I do really like the sisters. Like if, if we're going back to the classic little mermaid story, the sisters are always kind of a part of it, but they weren't as involved as we get with the two sisters here, which I like because yeah, to your point, they are opposite sides of the same coin. You know, with with Silver, we have somebody who wants to fit in. You know, to your point, it's a coming-of-age story. Silver very much represents what I think a lot of us go through where you're trying to fit yourself into a box, whether it works or it doesn't. Mm. Um, and I feel like for me, the most obvious moment of that, or the first, you know, moment of that is when the girls are going to the city to get clothes. 
Um, because there's it's a really small moment, but they're in in the shopping center and they're being handed shoes, and Silver immediately puts her shoes on. She covers her bare feet, and I kind of view that as her like giving up her wild side to like no, fit in. No, I mean that, that's a that's a great look at it because at the same time, Golden puts her shoes around her neck. She doesn't yep. wear them. She doesn't wear them at all. And you know that's the dichotomy we're seeing throughout the entire film is that yes, yeah, Silver is just cutting pieces of herself off, mm. and on the other side. Golden is, yeah, she's exploring more. You know, she goes to the punk show with Triton, you know, and she sings her heart out. Just have Triton be a dick to her and be like, hey, you still need more practice. Like, yeah. All right, but, you know, she was amazing. Fuck off. Yeah, I kind of want to be like, fuck you, Trey. What the hell did you do? Bite a head off a pigeon? Like, go to yeah. fucking Ozzy Osbourne beat you to that years ago, you fucking unoriginal asshole. Right. He's just, like, all the men in this fucking suck. All the men in this movie yeah. suck. Yeah, of course. You know, but I think it's also, even with Triton, it's that reminder, and that's Golden's reminder, that if you try to do something for a dude and not for yourself, if you let them corral you, they will absolutely, you know, clip your wings. Mm peel your scales off whatever you want to use on. sure yeah no, i know i think scales may be more appropriate for our yep. mermaid story but i <laughs> am um, but yeah you know i do feel though with golden it's that more wild exploration but it's still that childlike part of growing up where she doesn't want to take responsibility for what she's doing well well no yeah i mean that's the thing they're both children right yeah. you know they're, they're both children growing up and kind of experiencing two different sides of of sexuality and kind of mm -hmm. what that means for them right you know because yeah like part of sex is is you know experiencing love or and passion and like what you think that is again as a teenager because mm -hmm. i mean let's be frank most of us don't understand shit about love no. when we're kids <laughs> <laughs> and we think our first breakup is like the end of the world which it's not so no. if you are of that age and you experienced the breakup recently i promise you you will find other fish in the sea hey. not to put such a pun on it um but <laughs> Uh, but no, and that's what and that's what's so cool about this movie is kind of seeing the two sides of that, you know, because usually with stories like this, uh, I feel like we kind of get one or the other, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and, and just thinking back to like, you know, uh, other horror films that sort of explore this kind of coming of age, uh, even with sisters, you know, I think a good example is Ginger Snaps, where like, you know, in Ginger Snaps, you have Ginger who's kind of exploring like this, you know, this ravenous kind of sexual side. Uh, but her sister, you know, she doesn't really kind of go through a lot of that. Like, yeah. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't call the relationship she has with the dude that's helping them figure out how to cure Ginger any sort of love or anything like that. You no, know? I, so, I think he's just literally her first friend. <laughs> yeah. So so it's kind of so this is kind of unique in that sense in that we are getting, you know, this story that's kind of about both sides of that mm -hmm. uh, explored very deeply. And you know, and, and I think you're absolutely right. Like, you know, it, it's fun to, it's really fun to watch uh, Golden kind of become this, you know, or or indulge in all of this uh, because she doesn't take responsibility. No, you know, she, she doesn't. <laughs> uh, she like, like I love her interaction with, uh, with the with the with the cop, you know, because she's sort of she's sort of playful in in knowing you know, the, the atrocities she's committing, but she's kind of like, you know, there, there's no guilt or anything in that. No. She, she's very playful in like, and like, yeah, I, I killed a guy and ate him, you know, what do you do about it? Like, there, you know, <laughs> you're going to fuck me. Right. You're going to fuck me. Like, <laughs> I'm so cute. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, so, so she's very, 
so she she very much approaches it that way and, and you know that kind of ties into why i love her song when she's kind of talking about her cravings of the night you know because mm-hmm. that's really what that's all about i mean for god's sakes you have this naked teenager <laughs> walking around you know which by the way i mean i don't know how any of those actors like you know good on them that they're able to just sit there and do their thing and not move when they've got this like hot teenager <laughs> well she's 20 but this this hot 20 year old like walking around naked all around you know um but but that that whole song you know talking about these indulgences it's not about eating hearts it's mm-hmm. about you know it's about fucking like that that's what it is yeah. it's like you know at night she gets the urge of like yeah i want to fuck <laughs> I, I like the fact that you brought up that song because, yeah, it's about that, but it's also about Golden's loneliness. Mm. And I think that's the other thing that we have with the sisters is that both of them are taking very extreme well, routes with their hearts. Well, and there is a loneliness to that, too, mm-hmm. you know, because because she's not by not indulging in the love part of it. You know, there, there is a loneliness to just sleeping around and, uh, you yeah. know, whatever. Like, I mean, we, we can all, you know, any of us that have done that, we can we can argue against whether that's lonely or not, but I mean, let's be frank, you know, it's, mm-hmm. there's a loneliness to sitting at home by yourself instead of with the partners. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the other thing that we see with the sisters is we have silver on the one hand who so much just wants to give her heart to someone and have somebody give their heart in return. She wants to love and be loved despite yeah, the Yeah, they con- want those hearts already. <laughs> well, and I think that's the thing. Like, there's that scene where, you know, Silver and Golden, we see them, you know, kill and eat two, two men on the side of the road and Golden is you're just chomping down on that goddamn heart. Mm. And Silver has decided that she's had enough. And I think that's the other moment with the sisters that we get throughout all of this is that, you know, it's you know, how they're both kind of hurting themselves with how they deal with their hearts and other people's hearts. Because Golden's lonely, like she is. She doesn't even feel connected to her sister anymore, but she's put up these walls that she refuses to take down because she's worried about what will happen if she gives her heart away. She doesn't want to turn into fucking sea foam. I like, you know, here's the thing, though. I I like Golden's approach to it because... You would. (laughs) No, 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 not just because of the fucking. I mean, you know, but of course, part because of the fucking, but... But no, because, you know, I think that, like, you know, call, I, I just, I just, you know, you can, you can all think about this however you want, but like, I just don't look at that age as like a time to be, you know, going the, the silver route, you know, yeah. like, like, I don't look at that age as a time to be just embracing like the, the first fucking person <laughs> that, that likes you, you know, and just mm-hmm. thinking like this, that's it, this is true love. And I'm, you know, I'm spending the next 80 years with you you know it's like no like <laughs> fucking live your life you know live your life be be wary of people you mm-hmm. know uh don't don't completely give yourself over at that age or you will get hurt you know yeah. and that and that that's why I, that's why i also like that that uh that golden you know also kind of plays this role of of the weariness of men you know mm-hmm. uh because she is the only one who basically is like hey fuck you uh to the club owner <laughs> when he tries to like you know grab her butt and do and that s- and do that soft knee yeah which is like the weirdest thing that he does that to all of the performers the as they go on I, I would not let that man touch me either you know <laughs> um but that but she she is the only one to be like don't touch me you know mm-hmm. and, and, and i love that like to me to me you know golden is the one in this story that actually knows themselves Mm -hmm. uh whereas silver i think is 
lost kind of in love i think she's sort of blinded by it and 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 we see that in the sense that she is completely just cutting pieces of herself off for Mietek, you know, a dude who doesn't even love her. So. Yeah, that dude does not deserve her. Uh, so, so I think, you know, so, so I think that even though we are kind of seeing, you know, Golden indulging in sort of the, the darker, more sinister things like killing people, <laughs> uh, I, I do think that she's kind of the one that we're supposed to look at and say, no, that's the, you know, that's the more right. I'm not saying the right route, <laughs> but that's the more right route <laughs> for for coming of age and having that experience when you're younger is that you do not lose yourself. You mm-hmm. still you still remain yourself. It's just, you know, the only the only problem with silver is because they are two sides of one coin and they don't quite have n- neither of them quite has both parts of it. You know, silver is still kind of lost in how <laughs> she's <laughs> And how she's approaching life, but I don't know. I think I think it's better to go that way and and not give yourself over completely uh, the way that Golden does. So uh, I definitely agree with you. I personally can relate to Silver because, especially going to or Silver, yeah. I, keep, yeah. I told you, I keep getting it mixed up. <laughs> it's okay. I can relate a little bit more to to Silver just because. You know, especially growing up in the Midwest where there is kind of a pressure on, you know, marrying your high school, you know, first boyfriend and stuff like that. Like, I, I agree with you. Golden is... Well, but we know how horrible that is. We which do. is why I don't sympathize with Silver. <laughs> I Here's my thing. I think I agree with you. Golden is the ideal. That's what you should go for. But I think having Silver... No, in, no, no. Not the ideal. The better The side. better. The better. <laughs> but, you know, I think Silver presents... It's like a mirror reflecting back how much this societal pressure, what it does to you. And so I, I like having it for that reason because it kind of reinforces that what we're told is not a great well, way. Well, no, for sure. I mean, look, yeah, yeah no, but that's what I'm saying. Is yeah. That's why I'm saying that silver is not the way to go, you know? And, and and look, going back to what you said uh, way at the beginning, you know, the, the, the fun thing about the title, The Lure, is that, you know, I, I think that unsuspecting audiences are supposed to initially sort of think like, oh yeah, we're, we're talking about, you know, sirens and, and singing deadly mermaids and mm-hmm. they are, they are the lure, you know, luring men so that they can eat their hearts and not that the irony of the film is that they are the ones being lured. Yep. They, they literally are, you know, fish caught on a hook <laughs> yeah. and, and, and being lured into this world sort of unsuspectingly, you know, where even though they are kind of these, you know, blossoming women who are who are very, you know, open about their sexuality and, and that kind of stuff, like there's still there's still a great kind of naive innocence to them, you know. Yeah. In in sort of the way that they are approaching and experiencing the world because, you know, and that's and that's where a lot of the heavy coming of age elements come into it because you know, it's like the whole the whole coming out of the sea thing and into this, you know, nightclub, strip club, whatever mm-hmm. is is a metaphor for you know passing passing from this kind of ideal magical world of under the sea, under the <laughs> sea. You know, they're they're passing from that, and and let's be frank, I mean, you know, the the sea and the water itself is also kind of a metaphor for like you know. You're gonna say womb. Well, not womb, but like PMS, <laughs> you know, it, I mean, yes, the womb, it's, I mean, it's basically, it's basically a metaphor for all that, you know, which, which is why you do see these characters with some of their more intimate, 
moments that they kind of hide from others is when they're in the bathtub and like Mm -hmm. you know anyway but that's what this is they're passing from this kind of more magical blissful kind of naivety to the real world and the lure is is interesting in that you know they are they themselves are being lured by this kind of world that seems magical on the surface Mm -hmm. the same way that we as the audience are which i which i think is what's brilliant about the movie is that again everything in the nightclub is is shot and produced with such a glamour to it that even we as the audience like we're seeing it through basically the girl's eyes you know Mm -hmm. We're, we're seeing it like oh man like you know look like yeah this place is a strip club and it's got some seedy dudes in it but Man, this place is like beautiful, and the costumes are like so elegant, and you know, everything's I mean, so shiny. Everything's so shiny, and look, they've got these great sets where the girls are in like this giant wine glass, you know, <laughs> like, like you know. Which, by the way, uh, for all those who don't know this, um, strip clubs do not look like this. <laughs> uh, they they are not this glamorous, and you know, so so it's really so it's really interesting, kind of how the film plays that way, and. It's it's seducing the girls themselves the mm-hmm. same way that it's kind of seducing us as the audience, and that's the trick of it is that, you know, that's the lure. But underneath all of that, like we're supposed to realize, oh, this is a horrible place. Yes. You know, like that. That's the ultimate trick of it is all, all the glamour and magic of it is is just a a. It's a lie. It's a lie. Yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly. Yeah. The way I kind of view it is, look, if we're talking about coming of age, I think the lure does a really good job of hitting on the ugly truth about coming of age for sixteen-year-old girls. Uh-huh. Because I think the the water in the ocean is the safety of childhood. You know, before women, you know, before girls start getting breasts and start developing or anything like that, there's a safety in the water where they're unseen. So you don't, you don't like my womb metaphor, but I mean, there's a safety in the womb. So <laughs> because it it's, ways, it's not, it's not the womb. It's it childhood. Womb. It's childhood. Same difference. No, it's not. Same difference. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> you're Anywho, pro- you're nope, I'm ignoring you now. I'm ignoring you and I'm moving on. But, you know, I think that the nightclub album is such a smart way to do the coming of age for 16-year-old girls because it perfectly encapsulates the danger of the danger for girls when they're 16, you know, because it's this weird middle ground where you're not a child and you're not an adult. And I think mm-hmm. that's why they really hit it on the on the head when they introduce the girls, you know, I guess in their human form for the first time, and they show off the fact that they don't have butt cracks they don't have vaginas. No. Look, <laughs> like, look, there, there is, there is eating of hearts in this movie. There is licking f- fishtail yeah. fins. But this is the most disturbing part of the movie mm-hmm. because, because yeah, you know, really quickly before I forgot, I want to mention that you know, just touching on the lore thing again. Uh, consider that the f- first moment of the movie is Mietek is the one singing yes. that draws the girls out of the water. Yep. Not vice versa. Yep. You know, so so that's right. So that's it in a nutshell right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this case, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Like this is, you know, again, I think it's the neat trick of the movie is that there is so much glamour on the surface, but mm-hmm. underneath it all, we are seeing in that context the 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 kind of atrocities, you know, that <laughs> that that these young girls go through mm-hmm. 
not just in a place like this, but growing up in general, right? Yeah. You know, because because here these women are, they're they're coming out of, as you want to describe it, the safety of childhood. Thank you. Which I still say it represents <laughs> the, the womb. No. But the, they're, they're coming out of the safety of that and into womanhood. Mm-hmm. And part of coming into womanhood is being immediately looked over and poked and prodded Yep. by dudes you know yeah. in this case <laughs> you know and i think it's i think that the barbie doll the barbie doll smooth like a barbie doll analogy is kind of perfect for this moment for them because it's so disturbing <laughs> it is it's very disturbing but you know as a as a young woman at that age it's very apt because you're kind of just like a doll to a lot of people you're a child when they want you to be a child. As we see in the movie, when they ask for money and why they don't get to go and do things, they get right. written off as children. But you're an adult when people want to be able to do things for you. Like, they treat them like children, but they make them strip. You right, know? right. Pri- Priyas directly says, oh, we're not paying you because you're children. Yes. You know, it's like, um, excuse me, fuck you. The only <laughs> reason that you're making the money you are is because of them. So. It's because they're showing their tits. <laughs> right, exactly. So... So no, you know, it's all about how 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 girls are taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, not just places like this. It, th- this place is a metaphor for the world. Yeah. You know, it really is because, you, yeah, you've got this seedy old, you know, nightclub owner who's like, I mean, God damn it. It is so <laughs> utterly disturbing when, when it, you know, they have their tails revealed and he's like poking and prodding at what's basically their, their pussy, fish vagina. Know, their fish pussy. <laughs> like, he, you know, he's poking and like sticking his finger in it and stuff. I mean, it's like, and, and just, just even the fact that, you know, that, uh, that, that Prius and, and Mietek are asked to leave mm-hmm. so that Percussionista played by Andres Kanapka. What the fuck? That guy has my last name. Yes, he does. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, so that so that he can kind of like show off these women's nude bodies mm-hmm. and and their fish pussies, you know, to yep. the nightclub owner. Like, I mean, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of women who can, who you know, have entered an industry like that who can probably speak to having that exact same experience. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the fishtail part, but you know <laughs> what I mean. <laughs> so, it's the reality of young women being commodified. You know, and and them just being treated as whatever product works for them to sell at any given time. And, you know, I do really like the fact that we do open with their one of their very first experiences with being human and kind of seeing that is sensibly being so traumatized that the mm. only thing that works to kind of bring them back to themselves is being thrown back into their childhood. Right. Like, literally being thrown back in the pool. Yeah, pretty much. And, and you know, this whole movie is like... Um I mean, it's really ultimately about a destruction of their innocence, you know, yep. because uh, because which, which again is feels weird to say about about a couple of you know pseudo nudists who <laughs> who are eating the hearts of men, but <laughs> uh, but but they're but ultimately yes, it is about the destruction of their innocence and mm-hmm. and their kind of naivety of the world, and and I think that's really well expressed when uh, when again. Kanapka here <laughs> uh, punches them out and and they toss their bodies you know over the bridge uh, mm. that that to me right there is is like the perfect personification of killing who they were mm-hmm. and then they kind of come back as something a little bit more dangerous and lost maybe is a way to kind of describe it but but you know but it but it literally is like them killing these women mm-hmm. like this industry kills these women <laughs> mm-hmm. and 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 the 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 kind of you know 
perfect young girls that they were and and then yeah and then we move on to have you know silver having her herself literally mutilated mutilated and cut in half and you know yep. all of that taken away from her uh and then you know golden's going through her own bullshit but <laughs> <laughs> and, and all this is done in a really interesting way too because i think that you know on top of the film sort of seducing us as the audience to kind of say like oh look at this glamorous magical world where all these songs are super cool and the costume's great mm-hmm. which it all is by the way it the costuming is. in this movie especially is like fucking on point yep. about to fight you oh uh, what do you think i was gonna say the costuming suck come on i have taste um <laughs> meh? Meh? you say meh to me <laughs> i can't wait to hear a ranking for the end of this month um, <laughs> you're gonna be disappointed right now we can have an argument about taste um but no, but so what the hell is he saying? Uh, so so that's going on, and, and, but at the same time, the, the film's also kind of putting us into that voyeuristic sort of mood because, or that voyeuristic sort of vibe, because uh, because there's so often the camera, or there's so often moments where you know the camera kind of puts us into those shoes of being a voyeur. Where I think there's one shot where uh, where Priest and the two girls are looking into a mirror and she's talking about them being beautiful and we actually have a shot looking at them from inside the mirror mm-hmm. i mean you don't get more more voyeuristic <laughs> than that you know <laughs> than creepily and, watching them through a two-way mirror right and, and it's kind of like the film wants you to feel how kind of uncomfortable it is to to kind of view and pick apart these young girls like that you know mm-hmm. where we are kind of seeing them in their most vulnerable you know being nude and Mm-hmm. And, and without their tails, which I think is kind of maybe a metaphor for like, you know, their their childhood or like who they are internally. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and we're we're sort of looking at them as their most vulnerable where they're without that and they're nude. And, you know, they're kind of going through these different experiences. And I, I just love how we're kind of put directly in that position of like, OK, now you're also the ones who are kind of taking advantage of them so to speak you know yeah i think that's why we get so much nudity in this and it's the weird thing of like it is 16 year olds that's mm. the thing with the movie is that they're children right you can't forget that they're being well the actresses are not 16 mm-hmm. you cannot forget that they're being perceived as 16 in the film yeah and, and strutting around naked the entire time and yeah there's there's that creepy factor with it where you know so many people are taking advantage of them and having sex with them and like there's even more probably going on off screen than we actually see i am like there's that moment where i'm you know, Krista uh, and Percustus, whatever the fuck their names are. Um, <laughs> the, 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 sure. <laughs> you know, where they're, they're fooling around and she's saying that his fingers smell like fish. And you're like, were you fingering the mermaids? Like, buddy. Yeah, and I mean, damn, you don't get more like on the nose with metaphors than the fish right? smell, do you? <laughs> you know, and I think it's that thing that that's the uncomfortableness of all of this is how much we try to treat 16 year olds teenagers children like they're adults but only when it suits us and that is so fucking gross well i mean should i look back in the 90s and like all the you know all the female singers that i grew up with well and female and male you know i'm not saying that men aren't put through anything Mm -hmm. like this as well but they definitely are and it's gross right exactly so so we can say both but like you know uh, yeah i think about all the female singers where i'm like i'm pretty sure britney spears was 
probably about 16 or so when she got started and you know mm-hmm. look at the music videos she's doing like <laughs> well and also consider the gross part of hollywood where they do countdowns for people becoming legal and i'm saying countdowns <laughs> because usually it happens with women but it also happened with the actor who played jacob in twilight so regardless yeah. fucking gross yeah we're all pretty fucked up let's just say you know i mean meanwhile yeah. Not to get political for a second, but it's like, meanwhile, you've got Republicans trying to legalize, like, marrying 16-year-olds or whatever the fuck they're doing. Stop (laughs) fucking children. Just stop fucking kids, for God's (laughs) sakes. Like, it's not that hard, you know? Even if if 18's illegal, they're still not adults. Stop fucking children. Yeah. (laughs) But, but look, so, so, I... Uh, we, we do have to start moving to the end here. And so, of course, we cannot get through this without talking about Silver's ultimate decision, you know, which we, which we can look at it. We, we can look at all of it. We can look mm-hmm. at, you know, the way that she gives herself up for Mia Tech. Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, we got to talk about the fact that after doing all of this for him, he decides to fuck the first pretty girl that walks into his studio yep. <laughs> and leave and leave silver for her, you know? And then, and then of course, silver makes the decision of instead of killing me and, and basically saving her own life. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's like, nah, I'm going to let him live and turn the sea foam, you know? So just like, how, how do what do you, so, so I don't know. Like it, I don't know about you, but it really pisses me off. <laughs> okay, so fuck me, Tech. We know that I fucking hate that dude. I'm so glad that Silver rips his goddamn throat out. Golden. Golden, Golden. rips his throat. See, Chris? I did it. Okay. It's difficult. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad that Golden rips his fucking throat out. I am, but look, I think at the very, very end, you know, Silver's decision has nothing to do with me, Tech. You know, it's for her, I don't think that it's really about my life or his life. I think that what it what it comes down to for her is, is she willing to cut out part of her own heart? Is she willing to disregard the fact that she fell in love and she felt these emotions? Okay, I know you don't agree with me, but look, I think... No, it's not about I don't agree with you. I just yeah. don't agree... I just hate that mentality. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a shitty mentality, but I think for Silver, you know, regardless of if it was the right decision or the wrong decision, her choosing to love Mutek and give him his give him her heart, whether he deserved it or not, was one of her first things that she really did for herself and did, you know, on a path to self-discovery. And it went really fucking badly. And I think that's Mm. why we have that moment at the end where she's about to rip out, you know, she's about to kill him and all that kind of stuff. And she chooses instead, she turns away from him. She's not ending her life staring at her beloved's face. She's staring at the dawn, the dawn, the early light. And I think that's more her reflecting on this was shitty and it sucked, but I wouldn't change it because this, because this made me who I am. This is a decision I made for myself. And, and it sucks that she turns. Look, I want to find like something see, like that. Cause otherwise it's just some dude took advantage of a nice lady. Well, see, but I, but I think that, 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 I, I mean, that's I, definitely the truth, too. Well, right. And that's the thing is, I don't think that that's incorrect if that's what the movie leaves you feeling, you know? No. So, like, look, I, I don't think you're supposed to... Personally, I don't think you're supposed to look at Silver's decision as being the right one. I think, no. I think you're supposed to look at it and be angry with her and, and, and find flaws in it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, on one hand, yeah, you can sort of look at it and say, like, oh, you know, she's a good fish person you know (laughs) like like you you can sort you can sort of look at it and find and find the goodness of it of Mm -hmm. she has 
matured in such a way that you know that she's not about the killing anymore or that she's not that vicious confused fish person <laughs> i can't say person you know that she's not that vicious confused fish person uh who who in a weird way by cutting pieces out of herself has sort of it discovered actually more of who she is mm-hmm. like you can certainly look at the positives or the niceness of that of her decision and and there's cor- there of course is a tragic sadness to it you know i think where you can also sort of look at it too where she is you know if we're going to perceive her as 16 years old she is representing i think sort of that kind of naivety of the feelings you go through when you do experience that kind of early love breakup, right? Where it's like, again, mm-hmm. you think it's the end of the world. You think that nothing will ever get any better. There's no one out there for you, all that kind of nonsense, right? Mm-hmm. And so you can kind of look at it maybe as, as you know, Silver deciding like, that was it. That was my one true love. It didn't work out. And so there's nothing for me in the future. Pretty fucking bleak, you know. Oh, I definitely don't um, see it like that. Well, well, I th- but that's the, yeah. but that's why I like movies like this is mm-hmm. I don't think there's a right answer. You can no. kind of you can kind of see it different ways, mm-hmm. but but why why I th- why I think that you're not supposed to agree with Silver is because again, you know, there's there's really no shying away from the fact that Miatik is a total dick. <laughs> yeah, he's a piece of shit and deserves you know, to die. <laughs> un- unlike the Little Mermaid, uh, this film does not try to paint Miatik in any sort of positive way. No, he's a dick from the very beginning. Yep. You know, he he's a piece of shit. <laughs> like e- even when he like you know he's sleeping with uh, Prius, you know she's sucking his dick in the bathroom or whatever. Uh, Is that yeah. whose dick she's sucking? I'm pretty sure. All right, yeah. I just assumed it's some random dick but no, i'll he, take no, it he walks out of the fucking room two seconds later chris he's Enough. uh no she, he's she's sucking his dick you know he's he's sleeping with her at the same time he's attracted to or trying to date or whatever the hell he's trying to do with uh with silver he just wants you know, underwater blowjobs she he's tossing out her fish scale when he meets his you know hot new thing uh she and, is hot i mean i do i mean she is it. hot i'm not i'm not gonna blame her for wanting to fuck that girl who walks into a studio but mm-hmm. <laughs> um but you know but but he's do, and he's doing all that like literally after you know silver just gave up her entire self for him um so you're not supposed to like me you're not supposed to feel sorry for him in any way mm-hmm. um and i and i think you're supposed to be frustrated when silver decides to not kill him and kind of sacrifice herself so that she doesn't have to, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think you're supposed to fucking cheer and root for Golden for ripping his goddamn throat out because that's exactly what he deserves, you know? Yep. So, so, so I don't... So, you know, I think you can read this a lot of different ways and what the film's overall message is trying to be here. But for me, I sort of just walk away with it as you're... Don't. Don't do what Silver does yeah. here. That's That's the tragedy of the movie. The tragedy of it is that she sort of acts like there isn't a life beyond this love, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, and I know you said you kind of disagree with that, but, like, I, I, I sort of see it that way because what, what other reason is there for her to just let herself die, <laughs> you know, if she hasn't kind of given up hope on, on this world, you know, or yeah. on this adulthood? And if she kind of wants to exist forever, sort of, you know, in that kind of innocence and kind of going back to childhood like you know to me that kind of speaks as to like the the darkness of the world that she's uncovered and kind of 
you know, saying, nah, fuck that. <laughs> and, um, I'm out. I'm, I'm out. I'm, I'm, I'm seafoon motherfuckers. Like, I just want to be free. I'm good. Yeah. You, you can all have, you can all have this bullshit. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go back to the sea as seafoam. <laughs> um, but and another thing I sort of like about this is that, you know, the film alludes to this pretty often throughout actually, because uh, if you look at a lot of the, a lot of the earlier moments with Silver and Mietek, the lighting is kind of like a seafoam green in a lot of those moments, you know, so it's almost sort of foreshadowing the fact that she will, in fact, <laughs> <laughs> turn into seafoam turn into sea foam and give herself up for him because of this love, you know, yeah. so, sort of speaking of like how those those initial innocent loves do tend to end in devastations. <laughs> yeah. And just complete loss of self, at least for like a chunk of time. Yeah. I mean, if we're going with, like, the real, like, Hans Christian Andersen ending, like, she turns into seafoam, but because, like, she tried her damnedest, she gets to become, like, a wind spirit, which, it gets weird in Christian towards the end of Little Mermaid. I don't really like it too much, but, (laughs) like, the Little Mermaid in the end begins to become, like, this weird wind spirit for, like, 300 years. Again, why this is the best version of that story. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, for, for me, it's just, like, I don't know, I... I agree with you. I don't think that there's any right answer. I think there's a lot of things that you can pull from this. Um, but regardless, it's tragic and it's sad. And it's sad how, how these women, how women a lot of times just give themselves up so completely. They just let themselves completely be dissolved by these dudes. Well, well I mean, another reason I look at it like this is, you know, so, something that's very unique about the lore too is that this has to be at least this month the only musical that does not end on a musical number, you know, because, because, right. I I disagree just because I think that the credit song is the epilogue to the story. Well, obviously Chris, (laughs) but, but no, but there's no, think about it though. You know, every musical that we've seen Mm -hmm. and most musicals in general do have, you know, a finale song, do have some sort of finale song. Mm -hmm. That's not the case with the lure. In the in the lore, you know, we have basically this whole sequence on the boat where there really isn't a musical number, and no. and the way that I kind of look at that as is that, you know, if we're looking at this film, the lure and the whole idea of the lure of song and the magic and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. I sort of look at this ending with Golden, or with Silver sacrificing herself as sort of like the seduction is over, mm-hmm. and now this is real life. Oh, I you know. I definitely agree with you because the only song that we really get at the end, there, there's one later one I can't really remember, but the one that really hits home for me is that the first song we hear on the boat is them doing a happy version of Golden's depressed song. Yeah. Talking about making everybody sad. And to your point, I think that that really kind of hammers home like, oh, you guys are sad because your love didn't work out fuck you like it's yeah. it's making a mockery of these teenage girls pain and everything they're going through yeah to oh, your yeah. Point, yeah it's the adult world going fuck you little girls grow up otherwise we go fuck you and you're gonna turn into right. seafoam <laughs> exactly no <laughs> and, and i mean that and that's what this is right yeah. like like again the 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 whole seduct the whole seductive part of the movie is the music yeah and so i think to have there not be this like grand musical number in the end. Mm-hmm. I do think that that the significance of that is that there this the seduction is over. You yes. know the the magic is over, 
and this is real life now, where everything sucks, yep. hearts are broken, mm-hmm. and sometimes you turn the sea foam because a motherfucker decides to fuck some girl who's not you. So. <laughs> yep. I, uh, you know, then we wrap up with with Golden Song, which is the is her being so bitter and angry about being alone. Her whole song is about how the bottom of the ocean will provide her more comfort than the sister she lost. Because she's so mad at Silver for the decision she made to leave her behind. And that's part of adulthood, too, is you grow up and people leave you behind. And that's tragic. Right. So, so no. So, (laughs) and look, ultimately, I just, I just love Golden ripping Miatek's throat out. Because to me, I feel like that as an expression of the rage that so many of us felt watching the little mermaid and being like no 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 fuck this yes <laughs> no, no no fuck this whole thing <laughs> with what ariel's doing here and and the whole disney message of like marry some dude and, yeah. and give yourself over completely <laughs> well it is the anger of watching like people we care about end up ending up with people who don't deserve them like watching our friends cut them to cut themselves to pieces for people who don't deserve them i think we'd all like to rip the throats out of those people watch them gurgle on their own blood yeah I, you took it a step further there but yes um <laughs> a little drunk uh but all right so uh so we gotta start wrapping up so who is your killer idiot of the lure mia tech for not realizing how amazing silver is you fucking idiot yeah i mean i also said mia tech because how dare he do that to silver again i mean don't get me wrong the girl who walked into the studio pretty fucking hot I'm she not, is I'm pretty not, fucking hot we're, I, we're not gonna sugarcoat that that we would totally do that but <laughs> i want i want the patience to do my hair like hers because it's amazing yeah but but still bro you know yeah, fuck you silver gave up all this shit for you she's an amazing fish person <laughs> she's super nice great and, voice great tits i think i don't know i don't know tits no they're great tits okay. um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, no, he's my killer idiot, but, uh, what about your killer death in the lure? Also Miatek, cause fuck that guy. Get your fucking throat ripped out. Yep. Same here. Miatek gets exactly what he deserves. It's such a satisfying moment. You know, you, and, and it comes at that point in the movie where you're like, oh my God, is this guy really not going to get what's coming to him? And then he does. And it's very satisfying. <laughs> Uh, what about your killer MVP of the lure? Um, so obviously for me, that's going to go to the customer who is, um, I'm going to get this wrong cause I'm drunk. Uh, Katsiana... Le- Lewinska? Sure. Yeah. Um. Because, look, I think the costuming in this movie is amazing, but specifically, there's a punk song that the two girls do together where their jackets are all scales, and it's perfect, and I love it, and I want to steal it. Yeah. Which, by the way, I love that punk song. Uh, I don't remember the exact title of it. Abracadabra. Uh, Abracadabra. The, the punk song, I think, comes at a perfect time, too, because that's when the girls are sort of a little bit past the innocence, but not completely engaged in the awfulness of the world. Mm-hmm. So it kind of, to me, it kind of strikes at both the the sort of like anger and loss of innocence into discovering what the world really is, mm-hmm. but having not completely given up hope on it yet either. So. Exactly. <laughs> Especially with like the end part where like all the hands are reaching out towards them. Right. Yeah. yeah. They, they don't quite... They don't quite realize that they're those objects yet, but mm-hmm. they're getting there. They're get, they're they've, getting. They've got a hunch. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, so we also and my my killer MVP was the basically the whole effects team behind. Oh uh, fuck yeah! Behind the lore, because look, I mean, I, I'm always a sucker for practical effects, mm-hmm. especially especially in a modern age. 
when a film doesn't necessarily have to do practical effects and where it would be much easier for them if they didn't. And so I really love uh, the lore for kind of saying, no, fuck it. We're doing mermaids. We're doing tails. And because, you know, those were practical effects. Like, I I'm not sure if there are any digital shots of the tails. I'm sure that there are yeah. probably when they transform for mm -hmm. one. But uh, but those were actual practical tails that they used. Fuck yeah. Um, and, and it's pretty incredible. I mean, these tails were like six feet long and according to the actresses weighed about 50 pounds. Uh, and so they look like cool fish tails. We didn't do like the the pretty fantastical like mermaid tail. Like we did well, real fish. Well, and that and that was the director's uh, goal with it is that they they were kind of seeking a look that wasn't the Little Mermaids like oh pretty and hot you know <laughs> tail. They they weren't looking for that. They they wanted sort of they wanted something more realistic and kind of ugly so to speak. Um, but at the same time, they wanted it to be sexy as well, mm -hmm. you know, because you do have people being drawn to these girls in their innocence, which these tales kind of represent. So especially when you dress uh, them up in fishnets. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so they, they, they really worked hard to kind of strike a balance, uh, between the ugliness and the beauty and eventually kind of landed on what they got, which I do think is the perfect way to go. You know, they went through a lot of different iterations, but, but yeah, no, the effects theme, I, I think that. You know, the, the effects are just so good in this that, you know, it really enhances what the movie is. So yeah. uh, anyway, uh, so at the end of the month, uh, we always like to do kind of a ranking of everything that we've talked about for the month and, you know, kind of what we think of all that overall. So uh, this month we've talked about The Lure, uh, The Rocky Horror Picture Show, and in The Apocalypse, Little Shop of Horrors. So how would you rank the films of this month. <laughs> okay, so I really struggled, and I want to just preface this by saying I love... I didn't struggle at all with this. <laughs> See, I pumped mine out in, like, one second. <laughs> but I love musicals, so it was a really tough choice for me to figure out how to rank them. So, no, I love all of these films more so than all, some of the other movies that we watch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Don't know why you got to diss the other know. movies you watch, Chris, but... Because <laughs> I'm drunk, and I love musicals. Um, So, for me, number four is... It's Little Shop of Horrors. You're a monster. <laughs> Look, it's it's really just because it's because I like the Broadway show better and because I'm judging Little Shop of Horrors on their theatrical release, which does not have the best ending. So Fair because, enough. So that's fucked up. So you get number four for having the fucked up ending, and I also don't think Rick Moranis can sing. I'll fight anybody. <laughs> mean to Rick Moranis, but okay. <laughs> I love him. He's a really nice dude, but... No, no, sing. just break his heart, you know, whatever. Okay, uh, number three for me is Anne and the Apocalypse because the songs are amazing. It makes me cry every single time, so awesome. Number two for me is the lore because I love fairy tales. I'm so excited we got to do the lore. The only reason why it didn't get number one is because Rocky Horror Picture Show means so fucking much to me, and mm. it'll decimate almost every other movie in any ranking for me. Yeah, that's fair. So, so mine's not too dissimilar. <gasps> No, it's really not. It's, <laughs> I don't know why you're getting excited. Be because we almost uh, never have similar lists. Well, it's not similar, but it's not too dissimilar either. Uh, so what look, the I have the. What does that mean? Well, look, I have the lore on the bottom. <gasps> um, you monster! <laughs> no, you're the monster. You're the monster. You're the monster. <laughs> you put Little Shop of Horrors, one of the greatest achievements in practical effects alone. You at put the one bottom. of the best fairy tale retellings and awesome costuming at the bottom. The lure is at the bottom for me um, because 
Because look, I mean, you know, it, it's a great film. I, <laughs> I do really enjoy all these movies uh, and, and could even say I love all of them. But, you know, to me, The Lord does have its flaws. Uh, it does. It's, it's not a perfect story. It's it, the it, subtitles. <laughs> it's not the subtitles. It has its flaws, but... But it, but it's a great movie. But it's at the bottom for me. Yeah. And then Anne in the Apocalypse. I yeah. agree with you. Great songs. Makes me cry every time. It's a great mm-hmm. movie. Uh, Little Shop of Horrors. I think it's one of the just most incredible effects extravaganzas. Like puppeteering for, is fantastic. The, the puppeteering of that movie is amazing. And I I think it like like I said on that episode. You know, it lost uh, the Academy Award to effects to Aliens, and I'm okay with that because Aliens is amazing. But damn it, any other year, Little Shop of Horrors deserve to win that. Yeah. And it's not even close. So, yeah. Uh, so I really admire that movie. It was a big part of my childhood growing up. And then, of course, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. You know, that that film is just so incredible. It's It it, it just feels like it gets more and more important every year, you know, with, with its representation of like, or, or with its message of just accepting everyone around you and accepting, mm-hmm. you know, your own sexuality and embracing that and not letting others you know, kind of keep you from that, you know? So, so I, I just think the Rocky Horror Picture Show and then of course, Tim Curry, yeah. um, you know, there's just so much good to that movie. There's a reason that it's an all time cult classic that it, I mean, that movie is the definition of a cult classic, yes. you know? Uh, so, so no, that's number one for me. But uh, so another thing we'd like to do with every episode is, is on our Twitter at killer critics, we put up a poll kind of getting your thoughts and feelings on the film and what you think of it. So between, Love it, it's fine, don't like it, and never seen it. Where do you think the audience fell on the lure? It's a foreign film with subtitles, it's a horror musical, and it's also like you know, fairy tale based. So I'm gonna go with never seen it. For once you are correct, Chris. So <laughs> Hey, I correct sometimes. <laughs> uh so so love it was fifteen percent. It's fine was seven point five percent. Don't like it was zero percent. <gasps> And never seen it was a whopping seventy seven point five percent. But nobody who's seen it said that they hated it. Right, which That's is why awesome. I say right, which is why I say to the seventy seven point five percent, you need to go get on this movie. It's great. If you like horror musicals, I promise you will like this movie. Or dark maybe not fairy love tales. it. Maybe not love it, but you will like this movie. Yeah. Um, so we always get comments from you all as well. So of course, because this one, and these are all from Twitter, but of course, since this one. Had a majority of you <laughs> saying you haven't seen it. Uh, we didn't get many comments on, uh, from from those that have. Wah, wah. Uh, but what we do have is first up at Narcotic Casser One. So that's Narcotic C A S S E R, and then the number one. And they say it's the Little Mermaid, except unlike certain other adaptations, these mermaids have <laughs> these mermaids actually evolve as characters and actually face consequences for their actions. You don't see golden and silver nearly causing an aquatic apocalypse and subsequently get a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. And it is something that I really like. Plus, you know, we don't have a ridiculous himbo that they're chasing after. We have a real dude and that's what makes it look great. It's real. It's a real story and it's relatable. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really have anything to add to that. I mean, it, it is, it's a real story. It's relatable. I, I do love that consequences are indeed faced. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You don't uh, because have to have- I because I do think the message should be there is no happy ending in giving up who you are for no. somebody. You should never have to do that. Uh, so so yeah, no, I I completely agree with them. This, like I said before, this is the best Little Mermaid 
version. Yes. You know, uh, and and the Disney film can frankly go fuck itself. Like it's I will say like it's valuable to little girls mm-hmm. and and little boys and like I'm Valid I'm to totally everybody. And, and and I'm totally good with that, you know, and I think that that's great. And but but I hope that little kids grow up and realize that message sucks. Yep. And they should watch the lure instead. Yeah. <laughs> Eric did murder someone though. He rams a ship through her heart. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I don't know what that has to do with anything, Chris. No, I'm drunk. <laughs> uh so anyway, thank you at Narcotic Cast One for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, next was a comment from at beer nut one. So that's beer nuts. And then the number one, uh, and they say, I love the lore so much fun to see the two sisters and their dinner theater routine slash shows heart wrenching ending with how the two sisters felt about humans at the end. Beautiful film. Yeah. The ending is definitely heart wrenching, but dinner theater. Okay. What dinner theater are you going I- to that has tits <laughs> out? I don't think that's the- dinner theater, my friend. Yeah, uh, this is this is Seth, uh, a really great supporter of ours. Yeah, Seth, I don't know, I don't know what dinner theater. Please tell tell us where this dinner theater are because we would like to go and see a show like this. I I would also like to know where these dinner theater shows are that that have hot (laughs) naked mermaids running around. We need to go to burlesque shows. I think he's talking about burlesque shows. Yeah, but even at, I mean, yeah, I mean, this does range more along the burlesque lines than than a strip club, but. Mm You know, even then, like the, so a lot of the burlesque shows I've been to are not this. So. That's true. We need better quality burlesque shows. We live in Los Angeles. We should have them right at our footsteps. We do. We just don't leave our apartment. We do leave our apartment. Don't make people think that we're recluses. <laughs> but we are. No, we're not. Um, but yeah, no heart wrenching ending. It, mm-hmm. it does. It does suck that the two sisters ultimately realize the truth of humans, which is we're terrible. Yep. Uh, (laughs) The water is a much better place. Yeah. Which I I think we all learn more of every day as these, as this fucking decade goes on. Um, (laughs) uh, But anyway, thank you uh, at beer, not one for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, And then, so one last thing we have uh, before we wrap up here is our releases for the week. Not really a ton to look forward to this week uh, that I wanted to mention to you all, but uh, first up is a film called Hatching, and this releases on VOD on the 29th. Uh, and this is actually fits in well to our theme here because this is a film about a young ballerina who kind of is under the influence of a influencer mother, you know, who is like an actual influencer on social media or whatever. Ew. Yeah, and she and it's a coming of age movie where like she discovers this uh, this egg that she cares for until it hatches and then the egg kind of unleashes this monster which is almost sort of like a metaphor for for her becoming an adult and kind of like her anger and everything and it, it's I, I don't want to say too much about it and give away anything but but it's a really it's a really interesting film uh i had my issues with it you can find my review on killerheartcrate.com uh but it is overall i think one that's worth watching uh the creature itself the creature by itself is just really cool and i and I think that some of the themes that they kind of use are pretty interesting. But is it a bird creature? It is a bird creature awesome. at first. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, so, so yeah, so that releases on the 29th. And then, of course, we have the return of uh, the show The Last Drive-In coming to Shutter uh, this Friday, which I, again, believe is the 29th, uh, with Joe Bob Briggs and Darcy the Mail Girl. And, you know, Amazing. that's always a good time, uh, The Last Drive-In, and, you know, watching these double features that they show and talk about. So uh, We love it. And we love it, so you can check that out there. Uh, otherwise, that's going to do it for us on this. We have not yet 
chosen our theme for next month. Uh, a poll will be available on Twitter uh, within a day or two, probably before you're listening to this, uh, trying to figure out what we're going to talk about next. But uh, we will announce that shortly, so keep an eye on our Twitter. Uh, otherwise, that's going to do it for us. So I'm Matt. And I'm Chris. And hope you've enjoyed us talking about horror musicals this <laughs> month. And yeah, that's going to do it for us. So have a great night, horror fans. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode of Killer Horror Critic. If you'd like to scream with us some more, please subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Killer From Space, as well as Instagram at Killer underscore horror underscore critic. New episodes release every Friday, so keep your eyeballs peeled just the way I like them. Have a good night, horror fans. Thank you.